welcome to another episode of Points on the Board. This is your host, Big John, and I'm joined by two, not one, two NBA experts for today's show. We're going to introduce them in a second, but just to let you know, William Del Pilar, my Latin ex uh, buddy there, he's not hosting tonight. He's not even on the show because he's attending to other business, but you know what the old saying is, the show must go on, and indeed it will. So right now, let me introduce to you our favorite NBA analyst, Mr. Dennis Velasco. Now, usually, William would give you a long list of his accomplishments, but here's the two you need to know. He's OG Sports Grumblings basketball editor from back in the day. What could be more important than that? Nothing, I say, nothing. But right now, he's running Basketball State of Mind. He's got a substack. Go to basketball, S-O-M substack.com sign up for the newsletter you can't get much better when it comes to nba wisdom than mr dennis velasco well maybe let me take that back dennis maybe you can get some wisdom up and coming wisdom what's stronger than genetics yo holden velasco is also joining us he's dennis's possibly eclipsing son he's eclipsing the old man i think a little bit and let me talk about uh, Holden here because both, I mean, you can understand his father being proud of him, but I'm proud of this kid too. I've known him for a while. He's a great kid. He, he, I shouldn't even say kid anymore. He's a great young man doing his thing, making his way in the journalism world. Uh, let me just say that Holden is an editorial intern at Slam Magazine this past spring. He's currently a contributing writer to uh, SB Nation's Nets Daily, and he's the sports editor and webmaster of his college newspaper, The Night News. Uh, and he wanted me to say this. He is also, unfortunately, Dennis Velasco's son. <laughs> Dennis, yeah, what's up? I think. I got the looks. I mean, that's the what only thing. About? I got looks over him. Besides no that, I don't know. I'm your future son. I don't know. Dennis, determined. Dennis, what's up with this young pup, son? He's, 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 he's already ragging on the old man. What's going on, yo? You know what? We're from New York, man. You know how it is. I know You're how always it is. Making, no matter what. That's all good. Got to stay tough. Got to stay tough when you're from the Big Apple, even if you're not there right now. That's true. That's true. What can you say? You got to carry that. You got to represent that toughness uh, to the rest of the country, yo. But anyway, uh, like I said, this is going to be an NBA show. We're going to focus on NBA free agency, the goings on, talk about some winners and losers. And like I said, I'm very fortunate. I've got two NBA experts here with me tonight. So let's start it off with probably uh, the biggest news in uh, the free agency period thus far. And that would be the trade of Rudy Gobert from the Jazz to the T-Wolves. Now, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to bring over my notes because this was, this was a huge trade, uh, fellas. So let me lay it out and then I'm going to let you guys talk about it. The Jazz sent Gobert to the T-Wolves. In return, they get Malik Be Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Jared Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt yes. oh, having a tough time talking, Leandro Bolmaro. Walker Kessler, the number 22 pick in, uh, they got the number 22 pick in this just draft that just passed. They also got unprotected, unprotected first round picks in 23, 25, and 27. And they have a top five protected pick coming to them from Minnesota in 2029. That's not a typo, by the way. We're already talking seven years out. They've already, so so basically every odd year between now and 2029, uh, the, the Jazz stand to get the T-Wolves first round pick. For Rudy Gobert, now guys, check me if I'm wrong here. He, Gobert's a great player, good player, but he's nobody's in nobody's top five, is he, Dennis? No, and, and let me just say this first. The Top story during this free agency period is Kevin Durant requesting a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to get to that. But, but, but it hasn't happened. So right. the top story that actually happened would be the Gobert trade. And, you know, I, I think Gobert, the reason why he costs that much is because he is a game changer. I mean, he's not my favorite player, but he's a game changer because he protects the rim. He can get rebounds. You know, he alters shots. Um, was it too much? In my opinion, it was. Uh, but the good thing about this, 
being a Nets fan, is we sort of get an indicator of what Durant <laughs> will be will be uh, worth. But um, I throw it over to Holden. Holden, what do you think about how much the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves gave up? So obviously, being a Nets fan, like you said, the first thing I thought is, oh, great, this drives up Durant's price point. But if you want to look at it like this, they essentially gave up six first rounders for him, right? You got the three unprotected and the top five protected. Then you have the Walker Kessler's 22 last year or in the last draft. The year before that was uh, Balmaro, who was the 22nd pick, I believe, also as well, coincidentally. So in that case, you were basically giving up six first rounders for Gobert. And like you said, game changer. But the issue with him is he wasn't too much in offense. He was in the dunker position. He was there for the lobs. Now, obviously, he's beyond a game changer on the defensive end. He's probably the best interior defender we've had in the past decade, maybe even more so than that. So, you know, you have that alongside Carl Anthony Towns, who I'm sure we'll get into. But six first-rounders for a fringe all-NBA player, I don't know if I would do it personally especially because now you're throwing out Patrick Beverly, who gave his heart and soul to that team. Now, granted, the NBA is a business. Pat said it himself, and we know this. But I think the price point was too high on Gobert that they gave up. Yeah, Yeah, I I was going to say, it's interesting because when I looked at it, I said, okay, even if you're drooling, if you're a Minnesota fan and you're drooling at the prospect of putting Gobert at center, moving uh towns out to the to forward spot and he's a good three-pointer uh three-point shooter right he's a good shooter town so now you have a different dynamic right you have two big guys on defense but the price i mean you could we could pick out good players if we don't have to worry about price right but that always has to factor into it and i kind of liken this to the Browns signing Deshaun Watson for $230 million, all of it guaranteed, right? And so now not only are you on the line, but like you guys also kind of alluded to with the Nets, every other team in the NBA must be going like, what the hell did you guys just do? You just, if, if this guy's a fringe top 10 player, fringe top 10 player in the NBA, what are the top 10 players going to demand from us now? Like we can't even get rid of them because who's going to pay this sort of bounty? Like, do you guys think this is a one-off or do you think this is just a sign of things to come? Because like you said, if, if the net said, okay, we're willing to move Durant, but Hey, we want eight first round picks and we want your top five players coming off your bed, you know, on your team right now for Durant. Is that unreasonable? Or is the rest of the league just going to say, hey, we got to draw a line in the sand somewhere? And this was obviously nuts. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Dennis? Well, I mean, it's not really a one-off. And when you look at what the Oklahoma City Thunder got for changing, you know, uh, trading Paul George just, you know, a couple of years ago, it was a lot, ton of draft picks, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, Durant, you're not going to trade him for, you know, the five starters. It's sort of like Kobe Bryant. There was a chance for him, like, you know, during his free agency where he could have gone to the Bulls, right? But the trade was too much where if the Bulls did trade for Kobe Bryant, they'd be giving up a ton. Right. And Kobe Bryant was like, no, I, I don't want to go there. Not, not for that trade, because if I go there, I'm not going to contend because all those pieces are being traded away. You know, and I think that's going to be the same thing with Durant. He's not going to go some want to go somewhere. Not that it's up to him because he's on the contract for four years, but he's not going to want to go to a team where you're stripping core players that can contend. Yeah, and you know? and, and Holden Gobert's thirty, right? So how does that play into it? Did they overpay for a guy who's, you know, is he is he still on the up or is he starting to plateau and head, you know, start facing down the roller coaster there? Well, I think at this point, age isn't too much of a factor because his play hasn't really decreased over the okay. few seasons. But what I think is interesting is Cat has been playing the four this past season with Vanderbilt, playing that five, both on offense and defense. So now you put in Gobert in that dunker spot at the five instead of Vanderbilt. Obviously a humongous upgrade. Um, but I think with the Timberwolves, now a lot of the offensive output is going to be on Anthony Edwards. D'Angelo Russell has to show up. 
But what I really like about this trade is the D'Lo Gobert pick and roll. D'Lo is an amazing pick and roll guard and Gobert is an amazing roller. So I think we will see a lot more action of that with possibly a three and D wing in the corner or Anthony Edwards in the corner with the pick and roll going that way, Gobert rolling down and seeing what D'Lo can create. Yeah, I think what's cool is like you mentioned, you know, the pick and roll with D'Lo. You know, if if D'Lo does that with Carl Anthony Towns, now you also have a pick and pop. You know, uh, the thing with Carl Anthony Towns, he can't pick and roll and he can't pick and pop. You know, Gobert is a little more limited, obviously. But if you're the defense and you see that, you see these two seven-footers rolling down. <laughs> it's like, how, how do you guard that? You know what I mean? So it's it's going to work out for the Timberwolves in, in the short term. There's no question. As you mentioned, they're trading away, you know, draft picks all the way up to 2029. But at this point, you know, the T-Wolves, I guess they feel like they can contend. So they need to get that, you know, game change that will put them over the top. But when you're playing in the Golden State Warriors conference, I don't know. It's going to be rough. I was going to say, you make a move like this, you expect to win it all, right? You don't make yeah. this type you don't make this type of move just to make the playoffs, right? You make this type of move to to get the trophy, to get the brass ring, right? And have is that? I mean, I I just heard from you Dennis you don't think so. What about you, Holden? Is this a move that gets them, gets them a trophy next year, this, this upcoming season? Well, first I want to say, you know, with the picks of, oh, they're not going to be valuable. Look how good they're going to be. We said that about the Nets when we traded them to Houston. Now, look, we're, in, we're crumbling and who knows what's going to happen. But the value of the picks, there's a lot that can change in three years. But I don't think this wins them a championship. I'm going to be honest. Mm. Unless they add much more depth, I, I don't really see it happening. Yeah, right. You know, you take away Malik Beasley, he's he's like a 20-point scorer right there. You know what I mean? You're taking away Patrick Beverly, big-time culture guy, you know, right. and that can make a difference for a team. So, you know, the Timberwolves trading all that, and I remember when they won the first round in the playoffs, <laughs> they were celebrating like they won the championship. Right. You know, I know they want to do that in real life where they win the championship, but I, with Curry, Clay, Draymond, and, you know, possibly even Durant now, because there are rumors, there's no way they're going to win. They're not going to celebrate like that again. But uh, overall, I would give the, the winners on this is definitely the Jazz. And, you know, kudos to Danny Ainge, able to swindle another team out of like a ton of draft picks the way he did when he was at the Boston Celtics and traded away KG, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry to the Brooklyn Nets and got all their picks that basically turned out into like – Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tate. I mean, you know, it's 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 ridiculous. Right. Danny Ainge is uh, he's like he, he works with the devil. I think he definitely <laughs> works with the devil. <laughs> but but in a good way, you're saying like he's you you like you got to admit that he's been able to swindle two different franchises, right? Yeah. Not swindles the wrong word, but maximizes assets in a trade. Uh, there with, you go. With two two separate franchises, like it's one thing if you go to the well to the same guy over and over again, right? But it, that's not the case here. <clears throat> okay, so I'm kind of gathering from both of you. You both feel the Jazz came out on top in this trade, and I guess the consensus around the horn here is um, this was not a championship move by um, by the T Wolves. So we'll see how that goes for them. All right, uh, let's move on. I want to talk about winners and losers. And let's start off with teams as winners or losers. I'm going to throw out some teams at you. You guys tell me. Let's start off with the 76ers. Uh, they picked up P.J. Tucker. They reworked Harden's car, uh, contract to free up some room. And they picked up uh, Daniel House. Uh, let's start with Holden. Holden, what do, you, what do you feel about the moves? Like uh, feeling strong about that? Trying to figure out what they did? Did they solve their, uh, their issues from last season? What do you got on that? Well, first off, I was surprised that Harden declined his option and actually allowed the Sixers to get more financial flexibility. Right. I mean, good for him. You're a better person than me. I would just take the money. <laughs> but looking at the moves that the Sixers have made, it looks like they're trying to recreate that 2018 Rockets team. Remember that? Only three pointers, only layups. Here's some buzzword names. Chris Paul, Erica Gordon, Ryan Anderson, Trevor Reza. Oh, P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. You know, with PJ, he was coming off debatably the best year of his career at the age of 36. 
He shot 42% from three, best of his career, second highest field goal percentage for 8.4. And obviously we know what he brought for defense. Daniel House, he shot 41.5% from three when he got to Utah. Are they trying to put those big wing three and Ds around Harden? I think so. And will that create something that can help out on offense? Definitely. But a lot of that contenders on what James Harden are we going to get? Are we going to get the one who couldn't blow by his defenders last season, who struggled to finish at the rim? If so, I don't think it matters. But if we get a Harden who gets more time to rest and can get past his defenders and dump it up to guys like PJ, like House, then I think, yes, this is a very good championship move. Yeah, I think it's a strong move, too. I, you know, and for all the reasons that Holden laid out, um, you know, I think getting P.J. Tucker is a, a, a big a big deal, you know. Uh, he's really old, but, you know, again, like I imagine Patrick Beverly, he's a, he's a big-time culture guy. And he's won a chip already with the Bucks. you know, his defense on Kevin Durant. You know, it might have been overstated on how great he, it was, but it, it – it, it made a difference, you know, obviously. And sometimes perception uh, is all you need, you know, because you can psych out the opponent and whatnot. And, right. you know, I think P.J. Tucker, especially at his you know, advanced age, you know, which is funny to say, but his advanced NBA age, uh, he's still able to do other things that you would want him to do, what you're paying him to do. And, um, and Daniel House, like Oldham said, you know, just a good shooter. Because, you know, with someone like James Harden is always, he's not always taking it all, but whenever he takes it to the hole, he'll find the open guy, you know? So to have just more shooters around him is great. But I think this is also going to make uh, Joel Embiid's life a lot easier too, you know, where he does, even on defense, where he doesn't have to always have to go for every rebound because Tucker will, you know, do some fighting there as well. So I think it's a strong move. I think it does move the Sixers up a level. If, like Holden says, James Harden, James Harden comes in, you know, in shape, dedicated, and focused. Well, do you like the? Do you think it's a good sign that he did decide he he did go for the team friendly renegotiation? There is a, like, so if I'm a Philly fan right now, does that make me feel a little bit better that we might get sort of the Harden of old? Now, William isn't here tonight, and one of his favorite things, Dennis, you know, is ragging on James Harden not being a, a champion, not yeah. having the heart of a champion, not having the dedication of a champion. Do you think that this um, willingness of Harden to take a contract that he, like you said, he could have just gone for the money grab, like Holden said, um, if you're a Philly fan, is that something that you're like, hey, man, this gives me a little bit of encouragement here. I think this might be a good sign heading into 22-23. Yeah, no, I think it's a great sign because if he's not taking the money, and he's reworking his contract, you know, for multiple years, and he's taking less than what he could actually make. To me, that's that's saying that he wants to win a chip. Mm -hmm. So not only financially, if you want to win a chip, you're not just thinking about that aspect. You're thinking about the physical aspect. Right. So it's like, damn, I'm getting older. I want to win a chip. I'm going to come in in shape, you know. And, you know, as I, and I always mention this, as a Nets fan, that pisses me off. So that means it's a great thing for Philadelphia 76ers fans. <laughs> You're right. And and that East is going to be uh, a, a good, uh, uh, interesting to watch in this upcoming season because the next team we're going to talk about is a winner in free agency, the Celtics. Now, it's not necessarily that they made a ton of moves, but what's interesting about them is they kept the pieces that went, uh, they largely kept the, all the pieces that took them to the uh, finals against the Warriors, and they added Michael Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm, I'm sorry, Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah. Um, Dennis, since you bothered to correct me, tell me about Brogdon and what he brings to the Celtics, and is it enough to get them past that little bit of a hump? Now, when we talked about the finals, we said, look, this is a good experience, believe it or not, that they got to the finals and lost for these young Celtics because they're going to learn from it. They're going to be mentally tougher because of it they now they know what it takes to get the trophy so like brogdon plus the experience what are we looking at with the celtics i love malcolm brogdon you know i i thought that when i saw that he signed with the boston celtics i was like damn you know because <laughs> it will make them better there's, there's no question about it right. brogdon is just like basketball iq is like at a high level able to score you know take it to the rim and shoot it from the outside 
he can pass the ball, great defense. I mean, it, it's just it's just perfect, you know. Um, now I just wonder who's going to start. You know, is it going to be him or is it going to be Marcus Smart? Is it going to be both of them? And you slide Jalen Brown to the three. Um, but I just think overall the addition of like Malcolm Brogdon just kicks ass. <laughs> Alden, how do you feel? I think that um, it just gives them another ball handler, right? It takes the pressure off of Brown, off of Tatum, off of Smart to give it to a point guard who's probably second best ability behind scoring is to playmate. Um, and like you were saying, the dilemma of who's starting Smart or Brogdon, I think that they can possibly create another lineup of death here. Smart, Brogdon, Brown, Tatum, and then Time Lord at the five. No one's outrunning that team. Maybe who's Time Lord for the people that I don't know? Robert Williams III, and they call him Time Lord because he was always late to practice freshman year. <laughs> A freshman year, freshman, freshman year of the NBA. Said that like he was in high school. <laughs> but I think the biggest loss in this trade is going to be the first rounder because it's always going to be maybe, but the most definite biggest loss is going to be Daniel Tice, who I call foul Lord because I feel like he fouls out of every single game he plays, but he was replaced easily by uh, Daniel O'Callinari. So I think Boston only got exponentially better with now a true point guard that can play the one you want him at the two. Maybe you want smart to play one to defend their best guard. I think that's a possibility. Um, and Boston, they just got a big win out of this. And, yeah. and, and from what I understand, guys, Brogdon also fits in that sort of switching tough defense the Celtics played, right? So that it doesn't matter who's ball handling on the other end and who's, you know, who's bringing the ball up, who's posting. It doesn't matter because the Celtics have all these pieces that just switch very easily. And they play that sort of that really rugged defense that we saw in the finals. So Brogdon fits into that mold, right? He's like the perfect complement, like you said, not, oh, yeah. just, not just offensively, but on the defensive end, he doesn't mind getting dirty and scrapping and, and switching and the whole no. nine yards, right? No, I mean, that, I mean, you look at him and, you know, he, he he's a big body. It's not like he's one of the smaller point guards, you know what I mean? He'll right. be able to handle anybody in the post. And, you know, I, I just got to say, you know, Holden mentioned the first rounder. Now the Celtics... Uh, basically the same thing as the Minnesota Timberwolves, but at a different level where the Timberwolves really aren't ready to contend. So why make that trade for a playmaker or a difference maker like Gobert? Um, but the Celtics, they're, 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 I mean, obviously they're contending. They were just in the NBA finals. So you do give up like, uh, like a future pick, you know, right. even if it's next year or whenever it is, because you're ready to contend right now. So Boston Celtics, you know, Brad Stevens, great, great, great move. Give it up to Brad Stevens, GM of the Boston Celtics. There you go. That East is going to look rough. Absolutely. Now, um, those are the winners I kind of had. And we talked about the Jazz and the Wolves. Um, is there another team you felt that, that I haven't mentioned that comes out on the winning end of uh, the free agency slash trade period here? Uh, let's start off with Holden. Holden, any team that's ruminating around that head of yours saying, hey, these guys did pretty well this this so far? Honestly, there's not one team where I look at an addition and I would mm -hmm. say, yes, besides maybe the Denver Nuggets and Bruce Brown. Obviously, I saw Bruce Brown the entire season. But the Nuggets, they're getting back Jamal Murray and they're getting back MPJ. Now you add Bruce Brown, who was the third best player in the Brooklyn Nets for basically the entire season who can give you that defense, who was forced into that role in the Nets. He developed that perimeter defense to a legitimate level. He has the corner three. He can hit those floaters. That is definitely very big time for the Nuggets, who look to possibly contend now. We'll see how that plays out. But they definitely have the pieces to be a legitimate team. Hmm. Uh, Dennis, what about you? Do you feel like anybody could? All right, so first of all, you know, it, it sounds weird when my son calls me by my name. But uh, second I wasn't, wasn't going to say anything. I didn't know what we were doing here. I, Father, I didn't, Dennis, no, no, no we, keep it, we keep it professional. We keep, keep it professional. professional. Yeah. Uh, but um, <laughs> I don't know uh, if they're necessarily winners, but I would say the Knicks when they signed Isaiah Hartenstein uh, because Isaiah Hartenstein is a great shooting big. Um, I know that he would, he would basically fit on, on any team. And, you know, to get that, that shooting – is going to be it's going to be great for them whenever he plays, and I say whenever he plays because they also re-signed uh, Mitchell Robinson, 
right. who plays the same position, uh, obviously different type of player, more about rebounds, blocking shots, and and dunking a ball. Uh, but you know, it's the Knicks. They'll mess it up somehow. But I'll give it up to them for for uh, signing Isaiah Hartenstein. Well, you know what's interesting is, and let's just flow into it then. From the the sentiment I've been feeling uh, that I've seen, you know, looking at the different blogs and news sites and everything and opinion uh, things, is that the Knicks really they're not you you're not getting the vibe that they're winners so far. Yeah. Now that they added Jalen Brunson, right? Um, but even that may cost them because they may get hit with a tampering charge, right? And right. I, I don't even know how solid or unsolid that is, but it's like it's the type of thing that uh, who was it, the Mavs, if they decide to 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 pursue it, they may actually get a pick out of it or something, right? Um, but overall, you mentioned Hartenstein and the Knicks as possible winners. I don't know. Do you do you agree with your dad there, Holden? Do you think the Knicks come out as winners? Did they kind of, are they treading water? Are they just solid moves? What's your feel on the Knicks here? I think this is more of a TBA, but I'm leaning more towards a loss because the way I look at it is they're gonna owe Brunson and Robinson 164 million dollars. Mm with an R.J. Barrett probably max extension looming. So that'll be around $300 million between those three. Is mm. that worth it? I don't think so. But the reason I say TBA is because now you look at the Knicks, they have extremely tradable, lucrative pieces. And I hate to say <laughs> it because I'm a Nets fan. Barrett, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Cam Reddish, the three first-rounders they got, albeit they're very protected. So do they want to do what the Nets did before they traded for KD and or signed KD and Kyrie? Be a competitive team with a good culture? They could do it. And then they have the trade pieces to maybe get a disgruntled star elsewhere. They have the pieces. Will that happen? I don't know. But yeah, I think they, I guess you can say they have the pieces depending on how you look at Topping and Quickly, who I, I don't look at um, as highly as some other people. Otherwise, you know, I would say, wouldn't Thibodeau play them more then? Uh, but uh, the culture, I, the culture's all messed up. I, there's no way you can top that Nets culture when they had like D'Lo and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and uh, Theo Pinson dancing on the bench. You had an old ass man in Jared Dudley dancing on the bench. So you're never going to beat that culture. But Holden's right. They do have some pieces where they can try to go big, but the Knicks have never, ever signed a big uh, free agent. Hmm. Uh, they had a chance for LeBron James in 2010. Uh, they had to sell for Amari Stoudemire. I mean, it's not a bad consolation prize, but they never, ever get the big free agent. And you would think they, they would because they're in New York, but it doesn't happen. So is that, um, is that a franchise decision or is it just that people? Nobody don't... wants to be with I was, I was going to say nobody wants to play <laughs> yeah, for the Knicks. Because which... of the owner. That's what I was going to say. So it's, it's it, like you said, it's counterintuitive. You would think people, if for no other reason than the branding opportunities, the 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 marketing opportunity of playing in Madison Square Garden, being in the Big Apple, uh, usually that's enough to get some guys. Even even if you get the guys who are only out for the money grab, right? Um, but for whatever reason, like you said, it's been a while. Like, uh, who was it? Marcus Camby, Stadamon? Like, I, I, I'm, I, I'm searching the cobwebs of whatever's left in here to figure out the last one they had, right? But to your point, um, they just, I guess, they just have this horrible rep. Nobody wants to play for them. Except for uh, Jalen Brunson, who, who this was a definitely a money play. Uh, <laughs> hold on, do you think they overpaid for him? All right, look, I look at it this way. Brunson is 25. He performed very well with Luca on the court, and he performed even better with Luca off the court. Is he the point guard of your future? For $104 million, I'm going to say no, but I'm not going to discount him right away because he has the skills. He's been growing exponentially as a player, so maybe he continues to do that in New York. Um, that's yet to be determined, and I don't think, like I said, like I was going to say, I don't think they will – create a culture there just because like you said it's all messed up but they do have the pieces to be competitive and who knows maybe they move one first star but as for Brunson he's gonna ball out let's be honest but for his price tag I don't know no not for his price tag no way definitely overpay over there and that's where you get the Knicks on the losing side 
Yeah, it does seem to be a theme so far that we've talked about that even though a player might be a good fit, might be the right fit for a team, um, that it's just the market is driving these prices up and, and you're going to end up paying for it. Uh, let's round out the East before we close out the loser section. Uh, the Heat, they lost Tucker. They might lose Harrow. What's going I on with they the don't lose. I hope they don't lose Tyler, uh, Tyler Hero because – if they do, that means the Brooklyn Nets took him. <laughs> and he is not a centerpiece to a Kevin Durant trade. A right. centerpiece to a Kevin Durant trade with the Heat would be Bam out of bio. But because of a collective bargaining uh, a rule, you can't have two players on an extended rookie max contract, right? Mm. On one team. The Nets already have Ben Simmons. So because they traded for him from the 76ers, they can't get Bam Adebayo, who signed one with the Heat, unless they trade Ben Simmons. Right. Which I hope they don't do. Let's see what the you know, young guy can do. But if they trade Tyler Hero, that means uh, Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra will be dancing in the streets naked uh, the minute that happens. Yeah. But so, Holden, look, the Heat, tough team, uh, scrappy team. We said that all during the, the playoff run, right? We said scrappy team, scrappy team. How are they, you know, they were the number one overall seed. Uh, me and your dad sat here many a show saying, how did, how did they end up the number one seed? Like, we couldn't figure it out, right? It doesn't seem like they should have been the one. They didn't feel like a number one seed, but yet there they were. They took the Celtics to the limit in the conference finals, right? Um, there's another team that you could have said to yourself, much like the Celtics, all right, they're a scrappy team. They, they play a good team game. What pieces do they need? You know, obviously, I thought they always they needed another shooter, given how that series against the Celtics went, um, that when Hero went down, it was like, okay, you know, Jimmy Butler, can't, you know, it's playing five on one, basically. How did the Heat do here? Are they big losers? Did they take a step back? Um, what do you see happening with the Heat here? Yes, they definitely took a step back. They're already missing someone who can score the ball that's not named Tyler or Jimmy. Um, <laughs> or maybe give Kyle Lowry a few years back on his life. Um, on his life? <laughs> give him 27-year-old Kyle Lowry. They'll be all right. But we can't do that. I think losing PJ, who is probably the second – toughest person on the roster behind Butler right. is a very big deal. He was the one diving for the balls. He was the one who was gathering the team, grabbing their players by the jersey, bringing them in the huddle. He was Pat Riley on the court. So I think losing him is very, very bad for the Tucker, uh, right. for the Heat. Because you look, when Tucker entered free agency, every contender was calling his phone. And that's for a reason. Right, right. No, I feel I, I, I also think I don't think they did anything to improve themselves and like you said that loss kind of knocks them down like now you're not looking at them and the Celtics fighting again to get to the finals now you're looking at them fighting to get past Philly to get past Boston you know the and Milwaukee so you're like yeah I don't think they really got that far let's turn out to your guys's team the Nets now this this whole story has nothing to do with acquisitions and losses right right now it's got to do with the whole soap opera around Irving Durant to a lesser extent Simmons right what's going on like uh Dennis why don't you give me a recap Irving. me what's going on <laughs> you you I, always I, seem to know Irving and well, Durant what's going yeah. on what's well, going on I bro mean, you know Irving you know he uh took his player option um because the Nets you know played chicken with them Mm. You're like, okay, so you don't want to be with us anymore. That's fine. You know what? We'll let you go out there and try to get a sign and trade with any team you want. Right. Only one team wanted them. <laughs> and that was, Who was the that? Los Angeles Lakers. Um, but Irving didn't do it because if, you know, it well, the Nets would have The Nets would have to take Westbrook back, right? No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, they would have to take uh, Westbrook back. And the Nets were not going to do that. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, so Harry Irvin lost that one. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take my player option just so I can get a guaranteed $30 million mm -hmm. as opposed to making only $6 million with the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, if 
uh, then that's just said, oh yeah, forget it. You know, uh, we're just gonna let you go. Um, right. As far as Kevin Durant goes, who, who knows, you know, I, I will say this, I love Kevin Durant as a player. Mm-hmm. He's always been one of my favorite players, but with this whole situation, he t- definitely takes, not that he would ever care, but he takes a hit and he goes down like two or three rungs on the ladder because it just shows me that he's just not a leader. You know what I mean? Well, to, right. His legacy, not as a, not as an athlete, not as a, not as a performance on the court, but to your point, that legacy of like, are they all just spoiled brats at this point? Is, is there no one willing to say I'm the alpha male on this team and I'm going to take this team to the next level. You know, like how many of those guys are left in the NBA? You know, it's Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Very few, very few, you know, and that's what I'm trying to get at. You would think that Durant might've been one of those guys. Right. But obviously no. no. Now is, is there Holden? Is it, is there, you covered the net. Is there any chance this is some sort of, I, I don't even know how to describe it in a positive way for Durant because he's still got four years on his contract. So it's not, this is a negotiation move. You know, it's not a salary move. I don't think like, is there any positive way to spin what we're hearing about Durant? No, no. no okay. <laughs> no, honestly, it's just pure frustration at this point from Kevin. Right. And I really don't blame him. The front office has failed to put a team around and players have failed to stay healthy. I'm looking at you, James Harden and Kyrie Irving. It just has not worked out. So I don't blame him for his frustration. Uh, reports have come out that he told Joey Asai, our owner, to his face, oh, I'm leaving. I want to trade. Joey did not tell Sean Marks, a general manager. And Sean Marks made a trade, the worst only trade, thinking Kevin Durant was still on the roster. Mm. So the communication in the front office has not been there. And that is obviously frustrating for someone who sees it every day. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I don't blame Kevin. But as my dad was, sorry, as Dennis was saying, um, <laughs> I tried to ignore all the people saying, you know, cupcake, he's not a leader. But I think this to me, if it goes through, proves that he's he's just not a leader because right. all he has to do now is wait. We have Ben Simmons. We have Kyrie. Joe Harris is coming back. Uh, granted, we lost Bruce Brown, but for the most part, our team's the same. We're getting Claxton. We got Royce O'Neal. We got TJ Warren, who was a great player. We have pieces, but right. his patience is worn out. And I mean, good for him for chasing what's good for him in his basketball career, but I can't look at him the same way. No way. I mean, you look and see when he left OKC, what happened? They made it to the Western Conference Finals and they lost to the Golden State Warriors. What does he do when he's a free agent the next year? He joins the Golden State Warriors. Okay, I can overlook that. I can understand. You want to get a ring. All right, fine. Um, but then he gets two rings, then they make it to the NBA Finals, his final season with the Warriors, and, you know, unfortunately he was hurt, you know. And then he got a little poison in his ear from Kyrie Irving during offseason. Oh, we should join together. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Let's join together and win the chip in Brooklyn. And they actually signed him to a huge contract knowing that he wouldn't play the first year, which he didn't. Right. Thanks for the gratitude, KD. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so look, when he's healthy, he'll play. I believe that if they don't trade him and you know the season started, I, I think KD would play with the Nets. Right. But this just like puts a sour taste in my mouth where he feels like he needs to win, right? Everybody feels that way. Right. But it's sort of cheap because like where does he want to go now? He wants well, to go he to wants Phoenix to go back to well, the Suns or the Warriors would probably yeah. be the, 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 or the, or actually his preference is, you know, the Heat and, and the Suns, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them contenders. Uh, the Suns in particular, you know, number one contender. Right. Right. Uh, so it's just like, I don't think he could deal with adversity like that. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not tough. Hey, all, all I know is that back in the day, if you, if you, if someone had, can you imagine, could you ever imagine? Uh, somebody like say Pippen walking up to Barkley and saying, Hey man, I'm tired of Jordan. Why don't the two of us hook up and go to New York team up with Pat Ewing and, and we'll win the championship that way. I'm sure Barkley would have punched him in his mouth. You know, <laughs> it, There wouldn't be any like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, Oh, let's yeah. pick a team to go to. And I mean that not just Barkley, by the way, 
any of those guys. Jordan would never agree to that. Ah, oh, forget about it. Like uh, 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 who? Uh, Robinson, David Robinson, Pat Ewing, John Starks, any right. of those guys, uh, um, Isaiah Thomas. Are you kidding me? Any of those Detroit guys, none of those guys would sit in the off season, uh, get it, sit around the barbershop or whatever that HBO show is and start drawing about where they could win a ring together and, and start manipulating it. So they end up on the same team. Now you might say the, I look, is it illegal? Is it no, but it just goes to that point that you said that you guys are like buzzing around, which is, is I'm almost tempted to say it's symptomatic. And I hate to sound like the grumpy old guy. It's symptomatic of the generations. Now it's like, nobody wants to say, I'm going to be the one to grind and, and, and be the lead here. I'm going to be the one who succeeds and I'm going to be the one who puts a team on my back. Now, not everybody can do that. Right. But where are the the Jordans? And I don't mean physically. I don't mean athletically. But where are right. the Jordans who will say, I'll make everybody on this team better? Like you've got right. me. Like all those guys who played with Jordan, none of them were as good as they were when they played with Jordan for, for a lot of different reasons. But he raised their game as well, right? Um, that's, what I, that's what's disappointing about guys like Harden and Durant and to, to some extent, like say Irving or somebody. It's like... Where's their like, no, man, I, I'm on a four-year contract. I've got four years on my contract left. I haven't had a chance to prove how great I am that I can be the guy who leads a team to, to a chip. I want to be that guy. I want that to be my legacy. I took a broken down dysfunctional team and we still got a championship. The, uh, guys, does anybody in the NBA have that drive anymore? Like I, and I'm not even trying to be funny with this. I'm, I'm actually looking. If you guys can think of a player right now that has that drive, I mean, off the top of my head, like I said before, Jimmy Butler. Yeah. And I think the second one that comes top of my mind again. No, young guy hasn't played one minute officially in the NBA regular season, and it's Chet Holmgren uh, Mm. for the OKC Thunder. And I, and I say that because. He had an awesome debut um, and ESPN wanted to interview him. And he said, I'm not, I'm not going to do my interview unless Josh Giddy is with me. Josh Giddy is, you know, second year uh, point guard. He had a great game also. He had a double-double. I think he had 14 points, 11 assists, right? Just like, no, I'm not going on unless Giddy's on. So Giddy comes on, right? So they're vibing. And then um, I think it was Malika Andrews said, oh, you know, you also have the NBA Summer League record for blocks. And Chet Holmgren was like, six? That's it? And she said, yeah, six. You have the record. He said, well, I want to break it again. <laughs> I love that attitude. Sure. Let me get my teammate on with me. Yep. And I'm going to break the record I just right. got. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's why I think Chet Holmgren's, you know, I know we talked about rookies last time, but Chet Holmgren's the real deal, man. He's going to be amazing. Love it. Love hearing that. Love hearing that. Okay. We've kind of covered the teams, winners and losers, and what you guys feel about it, how we feel about them in general. Let's talk about some individual players. Now, not all of these players necessarily swap teams, but they may have re-signed new deals. They may have been retained on bigger deals. Let's start off with the Joker right away. Jokic, right? Five years, $270 million, most lucrative contract in NBA history. Holden, what's up with that? Is he worth the money? Yes, pay him. I don't care. Whatever he wants. <laughs> give him the state. I don't care. Give him a stake in the franchise. I don't give, care. Give, give him all of Colorado. Yes, give him all the mountains. He's generational. <laughs> no fancy words I can say can describe how good of a player Jokic is. Whatever he wants, just give it to him. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, you're not back-to-back MVPs for no reason. And I know this past season there was like a debate you know, between him and Joel Embiid. Right. But literally, Jokic was the first player ever to score like 10,000 points, uh, you know, score 2,000 points, grab 1,000 rebounds, drop 500 assists. And it's like he had the highest PER, you know, that's player efficiency rating mm-hmm. ever right. for a season. So it's like, yeah, no, he's worth the money. Like Holden said, give him, give him Colorado. That, that was, him, that give was, him the Rockies. Just give him the team. The, yeah. That was the easiest MVP 
futures bet I ever made in my life. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, didn't, I couldn't understand why people thought Embiid would ever overtake him for that MVP race the way – I mean, only an injury halfway through the season could have done that. Right. Um, okay, the next big contract, Bradley Beal. Stays in Washington, five years, $251 million. Let's start off with Dennis on that one. Oh, man, Bradley Beal made out. Not only did he get all that money, he had a no-trade clause. Wow. So, yeah. you know, he, he has all, all of it. So if he does get traded, he needs a yes, and then he's probably going to make, like, $500 billion because he's getting traded. You know what I mean? Um, he, here's the thing, though, that I, I don't get. Like, you know, Bradley Beal talks about wanting to win and, and – right and all that he's not doing it in washington and right. now he's put himself there for five years and um part of me wants to be like man well, what's wrong with you <laughs> uh but the other part was like hey i love the loyalty you know what i mean and you don't see that a lot and we were talking about players that'll bring other players and make them better uh i think bradley bill wants to do that i don't think he's really capable of doing that right um but at, at least he's trying and i give him props for that yeah, I agree with you, but Holden, 251 million. I mean, there is, the, see, the, it's always this fine line. You want to keep your good players, but if you pay them too much, it hampers your ability to get them complimentary pieces. So it, as hokey as it sounds, there is a little bit that you need to keep as sort of like as a player, you might want to accept a little bit less only because it's self-serving in the sense that if you really want to get an MVP, if you really want to get a trophy, um, you need those complimentary pieces. So do you think guys like Beal, first of all, is Beal, do you agree with your dad, 251 million too much for Beal? I think that it may be too much, but if you're the Wizards, if he does, if he leaves, mm. you don't have anything else. You don't have the pieces to build around him you you would have a hard restart mm. so you almost are obligated to give the money to Beal and from Beal's perspective the first thing I thought of was I'm doing this for my kids 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 sure. kids sure so I think it makes sense at both ends but I think the Wizards just were forced their hand because what else can they really do I, I and listen to to that point you're right. Sometimes there's no good solution. You just got to pick one. There's no perfect solution. There's no that much better solution. They let them go. Like you said, they're starting over again. Um, you keep them, you hamper yourself. You're sort of like, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. So, yeah, that's a tough one. Now, we talked about Gobert on the T-Wolves. Carl Anthony Towns, four years, $224 million. So think of the money that's tied up between Gobert and what's that like close to half a billion, if not more, between Towns and uh, Gobert, but specifically the Towns holding so four years, two twenty four. Give me your thoughts. I've, he's a perennial All NBA player at this point. He can do it all. Um, he can shoot. He can dribble. He can play defense. He can eat everything. Mm. Um, He's homegrown, you know, he didn't sign here from somewhere else. Uh, rebound, the pass, I mean, he's worth the money. Um, and if you do think you're contending now, which it appears that the Timberwolves do, then you have to pay him, considering right. he is the best player on your team. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's, it was a no-brainer. Uh, but there is going to be like a ton of money, you know, not even just with Gobert and college accounts, but you know, Dilo's making like $31 million also. So that, you know, that's a, you're cash trapped. They're lucky that Anthony Edwards is only like, a, you know, going to be a third year player, but he's going to be up for his rookie max too. And he's earned that, you know, easily. Um, so, you know, maybe it's good they're not getting future first round picks because they won't be able to afford them. <laughs> they won't be able to afford to pay them. They got to get by with uh, scrubs and the, right, right. the roster. Yeah. All right. Next one on the list, Devin Booker. Almost the exact same deal as Towns, four years, two hundred twenty-four million. Yeah, they came in at the same time, so you know that only makes sense. Uh, both of them have both performed really well, and the reason why they're able to get this much money is because uh, the way that you know these max contracts work is if you make an All NBA team, if you're like right. an MVP, you know. So you know, same thing with uh, Jokic, um, but Devin Booker, you know. It, 
a lot of people say that the next Kobe, if there is a next Kobe, is Devin Booker. So you mean the you selfish know. guy who won't pass the ball? No, nah, no. Nah. What are you oh, talking about? Sorry. Kobe no, averaged almost six assists a game. <laughs> and if he had to, because you know five defenders were on him, but um, not the way no, Shaq Devin, tells it. Not the way Shaq tells it. Oh, how does Shaq tell it? <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. We talked about that last time. But uh, Devin Booker, you know, he's a great player. You know, um, is he worth that much? No, no player is worth that much unless you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan. But um, in today's climate, yeah, he was worth it. And thank goodness he broke up with um, not Kardashian, the Kylie, uh, Kylie, no, not Kylie Jenner, Kendall Jenner. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So let's get the curse off, and maybe the Suns <laughs> can actually win the NBA Finals. There you go, uh, John Morant, five years, one hundred ninety-three million. Who wants to uh, take that one? Hell, Holden, you like that one? Yes. Young superstar, face of the franchise. But I'm throwing in a butt here, and this is going to be somewhat surprising for people. I have one big thing that I'm very concerned about for John Moran. You see the Derrick Rose, um, Derrick Rose comparisons all the time. What does he do that is very similar to Derrick Rose that scares me? The way he lands off of dunks, the way he lands off of layups. I'm going to get into this when we talk about another player signing extension. But he lands so violently that every time I f- he lands, it's on that one foot, and I'm scared. I think he's one bad landing away from a Derrick Rose-esque injury where he's not the same player. And I hate to say it because I don't want to be right with this, but I think he is one very bad landing away, which this contract could be ending up very bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yes, it's a great play. If John does not get hurt, this is a great contract. Hell, I'd give him more money if I could. But just his play style – it concerns me. Yeah, well, I I would agree with that. That's definitely a concern. And, you know, the Derrick Rose comparisons does go all the way through, like, you know, even the landing on the one foot. Um, you know, I'm always scared for players that are um, athletically based, you know, in terms of, like, long-term contracts. I have no problem with KD getting it because he's not athletically based at all. But John Morant, the way he goes up, even, you know, it's kind of a uh, – the Allen Iverson comparisons too, but John Morant, he doesn't have that outside shot like Iverson did. And Iverson shot like 40% from the outside, which is horrible, but he was always able to get the, the shot up and, you know, draw defenders and, and right. pass the ball. Um, and, you know, this, I think the second best thing about John Morant after his dunks is his floater. But again, you're landing on that knee. So, like, you have to be concerned about that. But you, you hope, and I hope, because, you know, I live in the Memphis area now and I'm going to games. Uh, you hope that he's healthy. Uh, you know, but if last year was an indicator, you know, where he missed a lot of games, you, you don't know. Is he worth the money, though? Yes, because he's going to draw people into the seats. He's going to get the NBA ratings and whatnot. But, Ja, yeah. if, you're, if you're watching, if you're listening... Listen to what Holden said, man. Change the way that you land, man. Play in the NBA for a long time, please. And send you my address too for tickets, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and he he also seems like a good kid in the sense that he's he's somebody that the NBA PR squad can love and and promote and have him out front promoting the league and the game. Um, I also heard he's a good guy. I heard he gave uh, a very good recommendation for a friend of mine who was going to a job interview too. But um, <laughs> ne- next guy up, Zion Williamson. Now, here's an interesting case. Zion Williamson agreed to a five-year extension that could reach as high as $231 million, uh, with incentives. Uh, but here's where, like, again, you, you kind of do this every time you read something like this. In three seasons, he's only played 85 games. So you're giving up $231 million on a five-year contract to a guy who in three years has averaged less than 30 games a season. Uh, Dennis, this, to me, I don't care how good he is, potentially even, this sounds like insanity to me. Like uh, this much money to a guy who just hasn't been able to stay on the court and maybe there's whispers, maybe it's because he doesn't really work hard to get back on the court. I don't know. What do you make of this? Well, again, like I mentioned before, 
I get wary about giving athletically based players long-term contracts and Zion Williamson is definitely athletic based right now. Um, but I know that Holden feels a certain way about this. So I'm going to let him go and rip. And before Holden rips, let me make sure when you say athletically based, you mean that their entire game is predicated on just being a better athlete than their opponent. It's not that they're students of the game, that they've mastered moves or counter moves or anything like that, right? You're just saying like, hey, I can run faster, jump higher, and and I'm stronger than you. That's what my game is based on right now. And you're saying that type of player, right. you, don't, you don't guarantee a long-term contract. Well, predominantly, you know, because uh, John Moran is one of the most skilled players in the NBA. He definitely has counters. He definitely has a dribble, a great skill set. But he is athletically based, meaning that a lot of his shots are, you know, him jumping higher than the other guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Zion jumping higher than another guy. So that's what I mean by athletically based. And uh, we can let Holden rip right now. Go ahead, Holden. Yes, thank you. I, I don't know if you saw, but I kind of jumped when you said Zion because I got a whole laundry list here of <laughs> statistics that I want to throw out this man. No disrespect, though. Yeah. So I'm going to scare NBA fans away. Greg Oden, right? You said Zion in the first three seasons played 85. Greg Oden played 82. So that's not too far off. But here's the big difference. In those first three seasons, player A, Zion Williamson, 26 points per game, seven rebounds, 60%. Greg Oden, not even 10, 7.3, 60. So the comparison play-wise on the court, it's not even close. Zion's the better player. But the injury is the concern. Um, you know, he had the knee injury when he was in Duke back in 2019 when his shoe burst, the torn meniscus that caused him to miss nearly his entire rookie year, the broken foot that kept him out this whole year, right? I think it comes down to a matter of injury prone versus durability. Injury prone, in my opinion, is where you put yourself in a situation to in a situation where you have a higher chance of being injured. Like I was just saying, the Rose, the Morants, those violent landings that Zion is even worse at because he has so much more mass coming down when he lands. Right. Um, then it becomes a question of durability. Usually you can kind of tell it out, but he just turned 22 today. Today is his birthday. July, July 6th is his birthday. He just turned 22. He had three very serious injuries. So his durability is not going to be all there. Now you're telling me you want to sign him for $230 million up to? I don't know about that. We know the player he is on the court, but he's not proved to me as a GM that he's worth that money because he cannot stay at that point. And again, he is only 22 and we've had all of these injuries already. If he was 27, 28, that's a little different, but he's just turned 22. Yeah. And generally speaking, uh, and I mean, you guys would probably know a lot more than I do, but generally speaking, if a player at that early in his career is getting injured every season, I don't think it gets better as you get older. You know, it's not like something you grow out of. It's not something that you get coached out of or anything like that. It's just like you said, whether it's a violent style of playing, whether it's like he's his body can't stand up to the strain, to the freakish uh, athleticism he has, you know, that's also something. It's very rare. Like the only athlete I could think of who was constantly injured off the top of my head I'd have to look at someone like Frank Gore, like in football, like he um, came out of college with two busted knees. He, he got hurt in the NFL. And then after his rookie year, he lasted as long as he did. And, made, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's the only guy I could think of that was constantly injured in college and initially in the NFL and then turned it around for whatever reason, whether it was luck, training, whatever. I can't think of anybody else, especially in the NBA. Can you guys think of anybody who started off with this, like the first three, four seasons of his career, constantly injured, never on the court. And then all of a sudden, boom, Hey, now I'm, I'm doing 80 games a year and 80 games a season and I'm steady and I'm improving. I can't think of anybody. No, I can't think of anybody either. You know, and the only way that he lasts throughout that whole contract, right. You know, staying healthy to a high degree is if you change your game like Michael Jordan did. Mm. Now, Michael Jordan, obviously, we all know that you know, he's uh, your airness, right? We all know the dunks. That's what made him famous and whatnot. 
But after all of that, all the beatings that he took, taking it to the hole, what did he do? He changed his game. Right. He was in the post, Jordan fadeaway. Mm. You know, he did the same thing, Kobe Bryant. You know, Bryant fadeaway. That's why everyone, like, you know, uh, back in the, I guess, the early uh, aughts, the 2010s, whenever, like, someone was taking a, a shot, thrown out the garbage, they'd say, Kobe, still right. do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he changed his game. Right. Will Zion Williamson change his game? I mean, I don't know. He can. I think he can if he really wants to. I mean, he's a professional athlete. But, you know, that's going to be up to him. You know, it's, it's not up to me. You know, I wish it was. But I think in the case of Jordan and Bryant, it was guys aging into a wisdom that said, I can't do this forever. I can't play that type of game and have an extended career. I think that's a maturity that comes with being in the league long enough and also performing at a certain level. Right. I think Williamson's never had that success that he thought he would have coming out, coming out of Duke. So he's like, is he mature enough to say, I got to reinvent myself before I even experience any success as myself. I, look, to be fair to him, that's a tough ask for anybody, for anybody to say, you know, like, hey, I'm a banker. Banks are going down the drain. Let me reinvent myself as an insurance salesman. It might be the smart thing to do, but it's not easy. And to get to that realization, it's not easy. And so I'm not saying it to rag on Zion because I just think it's a very tough thing. And to your point, Dennis and Hold, can he do it? I think if he was 28, to your point, and he says, hey, I've been getting beat up these past six years. Let me take some of my accumulated experience and knowledge, and maybe I'll develop a fadeaway or a, or a skyhook or something. <coughs> Excuse me. Can he do it? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have too much faith because, you know, coming out of, you know, Duke, there was a lot uh, of talk about him. Oh, man, you, you lose some weight so you get, like, less than the load on your knees and whatnot. And then obviously he ballooned while he was injured, which everybody does, granted. However, if you're a professional athlete and you're a superstar like Zion Williams is a superstar, why won't you just hire a dietitian? You know, dietitians know ways where you can still get all the food that you love to eat, but, you know, the smaller portions, you know what I mean? Why don't the Pels do it for him? Yeah, no, that's true too. I mean, they're investing in him, you know? So, but, you know, Again, you can't change anyone. It's up to them to, to do it. You know what I mean? I'd have Oprah chef follow him around. He seems to have done wonders with her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Last guy on the list uh, before we wrap up, Darius Garland agreed to five years, $193 million, uh, which is and, – and it could get as high as 231 if he makes the any All-NBA team. And that is the biggest contract in Cavs history. So, Dennis, what do you think of that? Dar uh, Darius Garland. Well, yeah, it's, it's funny when you say that's the biggest contract in Cavs history because you would think LeBron James. Right, did. right. Um, but, yeah, no, I, Darius Garland is, you know, definitely, I, I would say, their best player um, right now. You know, long-term, it's probably going to be Evan Mobley, you know, even Jared Allen to, you know, some degree. Um but no, Darius Garland stepped up his game once Colin Sexton got injured. And Colin Sexton got injured very early. And Sexton was a 20-point uh, score. Right. Garland stepped up, and he not only lifted up his stats, but he lifted up the whole Cavs team. You know, of course, he had Jared Allen, Cass Avert, and, and Evan Mobley. But he was a leader. Um, is he deserving of this contract? This is like one of those contracts where it's like, probably not, but I'm all for it. You know what I mean? It's like, go, Darius. <laughs> you know, get your money, DG. You know what I mean? So, you know, I'm happy for the guy. And yeah, I, I think he's pretty much worth it because of what he's done and what he means to the team. Holden. If I'm putting on my GM hat, um, personally, it's one of those things. It's like, you kind of have to give him the contract. I would personally rather see him another year to see if he can repeat what he did this year. Um, cause if he does not improve at all, he's not worth it, but he's going to improve. He's a dog. Um, he's the real deal, but will he live up to 190 million? We'll see if he makes the all NBA team. Yes. Then he's deserving of the two thirty. So I think it's more of a time will tell, but kind of like with Bradley Beal, I think the Cavs hands were tied and mm. you just have to give him the money. 
And again, like you said, I love him, love his play style. So I'm happy for him. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just gotta say, like a lot of people, like Darius who Darius Garland coming out of college is like one of the best college players, and he's not a, a number four pick for nothing. You know what I mean? He had uh, Chris Paul comparisons coming out of college, and is he gonna be Chris Paul? No one's ever gonna be Chris Paul, but Darius Garland, like I would say, he's like a CP three light. You know, he's like a mm-hmm. CP one and a half. all right so it sounds like you guys are on board with that uh darius garland signing so okay great listen uh it's wrap up time i had a great time talking uh nba free agency period right now uh with possibly uh the first father-son team in podcast history so uh very happy to be part of that i hope you guys enjoyed yourselves remember join us again next week for the next episode of the brady bunch right here on sportsgrumblings.com. Actually, we're talking about points on the board, of course. Ha ha. Don't worry about my bad sense of humor here. But sportsgrumblings.com, check out all our podcasts uh, on the site. Uh, But until next time, this has been Big John for DV and Holden Velasco. Don't forget, check out Dennis Velasco, basketball, S-O-M, at substack.com. And Holden, you can catch him covering the Nets for Nets Daily over at SB Nation. Until next time, peace.